0: Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to To The Point Podcast. Another week, another episode. I'm Rachel Lyon here with co-host Eric Trexler. Eric, how you doing? How was your weekend?
1: It was great. Well, it's a Monday we're recording. No, it it was great. It was, (laughs) you know, another day in Maryland, another hot 90 degree plus day in Maryland. It's Mm, awesome. I love it. I love it. How about
0: you? Well, same thing in Houston. It was a nice kind of 100% humidity, 95 degree, time, sauna, you know, very good for the skin. So uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. So you ready to, to talk about our guest today?
1: I do. You said another podcast, another exciting, uh, you know, time. But <laughs> it, it's, our guests are awesome. We, we always learn. Our listeners, I hope, are learning about new topics. Who do we have this week?
0: Oh, okay. Get ready. So we have Jeff Roberts. He's the executive editor at Decrypt. He spent eight years at Fortune and was co-founder of The Ledger, which is Fortune Magazine's newsletter dedicated to blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the intersection of finance and technology. And here's what I'm really, really excited about. He just put, published a book in December called Kings of Crypto. Now let me let me give you a little bitty synopsis here from Amazon. Um, tech writer Roberts debuts with a page-turning account of the rise of cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase from the Y Combinator startup incubator to becoming a pillar of the larger crypto economy. Like uh, this is going to be an amazing book. Uh, and he's a lawyer. So welcome to the podcast, Jeff Roberts. I feel like a huge underachiever in my life right now.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. So, thanks so much for having me. I've seen some of your previous guests and I feel like the underachiever. So uh, I'm
0: welcome there. <laughs> so I am really excited about, I mean, how, how do you write a book? Where do you start writing a book about crypto? I mean, I, I just have so many questions and I, and I know you've been, you or know, kind why of, do
1: you start writing a book about crypto right? <laughs> before even how do you start?
2: Yeah, I, I don't advise it. Books are a, a discovered the long and lonely process, but in, in the end, I was glad I did it. Um, yeah, I know it came about because I did a um, a magazine feature for Fortune on Coinbase, and I was approached, "Hey, do you want to spin this into a larger story?" Um, and while there had been some other good Bitcoin books out there, um, I felt no one had really told it in plain English to a mainstream uh, business yes. audience. just sort of because a lot of the crypto folks like to speak their own language and sort of more of a tribe than it is a. You yeah, and they're not the best at communicating the stuff. So I want to take a crack at explaining all this good stuff in plain English. And um, so far, so good.
1: So there's more to it than just creating a, a Coinbase account, investing in Bitcoin and making millions of dollars and then going riding <laughs> off into the sunset?
2: Alas, yeah, or else I wouldn't be here. So, yeah. But I would have done that rather than uh, trying
1: to make a living myself. Rachel, if anybody listens to this show, we might be educating them in just that alone.
0: It's fantastic. I would love to learn. It's. Um, I just found out the other day at a dinner that um, a fellow we work with, Eric, he day trades Bitcoin. I, I'd never even heard of such a thing.
1: Half the people that work for me day trade Bitcoin. Really? Well, all the coins. I was schooled last week. We were at an off-site a, a manage, a management uh, QBR. And uh, I, I was schooled last week. I won't give you the in- individual's name. I'll do it after the show. But somebody in the room with you and I last week Day trades. He's got it all set up in Coinbase Pro and different, different, uh, the different uh, exchanges, I guess. And, and he, he's got his trades set up to a certain dollar amount, and boom, and then he just audits them.
0: That is crazy. It's I, big
1: money. You know I who really likes it? That. The technical crowd. My tech crowd loves it
0: because it's it seems ultra technical. Now I'm I'm just scared to even try, Jeff. I, I have to okay. tell you here, you know, and but from everything that I'm I'm picking up, though, right? And I think your book gets on this is just how cryptocurrency is changing the way money is changing, right? And, and I, I think that's a really interesting topic, kind of given the landscape of, of ransomware, but we'll get to that point. I mean, kind of from your perspective, I mean, is, is this thing going to go mainstream? Or I mean, are we just seeing the beginning here? Like, um, what's your perspective on that?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I think you said something insightful in that money, we're so sort of used to money being one thing because in our lives it's generally been like dollar bills and then bank cards and credit cards. That's money. But you know, you look at the history, um, you know, shells and stuff way back in caveman days and then, uh, you know, pieces of gold. And then in the U S right. banks would issue their own money. There'd be JP Morgan currency and, uh, you know, uh, Wells Fargo currency, maybe they didn't exist there, but you know what I mean. And this is just the newest iteration of that. And also, who controls the global sort of unit of exchange, you know, up until World War II, the British pound held sway and the gold standard. And it's only been 50 years that the American dollar sort of, you know, been sort of held sway over, been the most influential currency. And a lot of people don't like that, especially the Chinese and the Russians. So they're trying Mm -hmm. to undermine The hegemony of the dollar. Sorry, sounding all academic and stuff. Um, And cryptocurrency is part of this narrative, of course. You know, Bitcoin is you know mostly got traction at first in the states, but it's a global thing. But a lot of people look at it as sort of an alternative to state-based currency, which is an interesting idea in its own right. You know, because that's why a lot of governments are hostile to it. Because if you're a government, there's two things you don't want people to mess with: the armed forces. That's sort of you know the hallmark of the state. You know, state has. Enforce. They also have a monopoly on currency, so that's why every country has got very strict anti-counterfeiting laws. You start messing with the money supply, the government is not going to like that at all. Right. So that's part of what makes sort of Bitcoin and stuff interesting. It's these parallel private currencies out there. Um, and you asked if it's going to go mainstream? I'd argue it is already. I mean, it's it's you're mm-hmm. not putting the genie back in the bottle on this. Whether you like it or hate it, um, the technology is just so good, and the technology on which it's based is just so much superior to. You know the what you know how we pass dollars around right now, which is sort of right. specials. Sort of, you know, so there's something called like Fedwire and you know the AHC money transfer system. That's very 20th century, uh, and the cryptocurrencies are built and blockchain technology is very much a 21st century thing. So I just think this pure technology alone means it's it's not going to go away.
1: But and Jeff, I'm not a currency expert by any means. To me, though, money. If you think of just money, it is fundamental. The only reason it has value is because there is an exchange market or a place where you can trade money for some other something else, either other money, some service, good, something of value, and it's supported by something. Is that fair?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. The money's not useful unless it's exchangeable.
1: Okay. So do we need the, in the case of Bitcoin, do we need to have a dollar- equivalent value or some currency equivalent value to stand up for itself at this point. I mean, when, when we look at Bitcoin, at least from the States, you see the dollar, occur, the equivalent value, correct? $53,000 per Bitcoin, 22000 whatever it is today. If it didn't have that, like if it was just cryptocurrency, you don't have the full faith and backing of the US government or the Argentine government or something like that right? I mentioned Argentina because massive inflation, their money gets devalued very quickly or has in the past at times. How does it, how does it convey value? Is the question. I.
2: You say a couple of things there. I mean, you know, you're right in that the U.S. dollar is the gold standard. Sorry, it's a dumb metaphor to invoke, but you know what I mean? You know, I know what you mean. And Argentina, not so much. You know, I think I would rather take Bitcoin over, you know, whatever currency the Argentine government issues, because they keep debasing it um, and we'll probably do it. So, again, but I think we you're putting your finger on us, so the problem with Bitcoin is the volatility. I mean, what's the point of having a unit that I, you go to buy, you know, spend it in the morning. It'll buy you like two cups of coffee in that afternoon. It might only buy you one cup of coffee.
1: Well, you say that's the problem. I've got a lot of people <laughs> who work with me that think it's a great thing. They're making a ton of money on the volatility.
2: Yeah. Or I a mean, Bitcoin. Know, I think the argument with a sort of Bitcoin proponents would say to you is, any new technology is highly speculative at first, and speculators okay. bring in okay. enough people so it gets more and more used. And believe it or not, even though bitcoins dropped from like sixty-two thousand to thirty thousand in the <laughs> last couple of months alone, that's over fifty percent. That's compared to how Bitcoin used to be. It's 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 better. Like you know, in early days of Bitcoin, it would regularly drop ninety percent. So still not something you want to put, you know, your net savings into, but there's lots of other highly speculative assets out there too, you know, like Florida real estate or, uh, you know, microcap stocks or other things or emerging market stuff that you can put your money into and, you know, they'll be, they'll be volatile. But I think people who bet on cryptocurrency and Bitcoin especially believe this technology is here to stay and that as more and more people start to use it, its value is simply going to keep going up. Um, And while we're in the midst of another spectacular crash, I know I've just watched this long enough. I've covered it for ten years, and I've seen enough of these crashes, and that's what Bitcoin does. But each crash is less precipitous than the former one, and it seems to bounce back quicker and to like a higher level than before. So, um, you know, it doesn't mean you know maybe this time's different. Maybe Bitcoin will go into a death spiral. But you know, people have said that since Bitcoin started, and the longer time goes on without that happening, I think the chances of that happening are decreasing.
1: So what you're saying is we're in the early days, but this is probably something you see here for, for, uh, to, for, to last.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, people like say, oh, it's the early days and it is, but you know, people like, oh, it's only the first inning. I say we're probably more in the third inning by now Mm -hmm. because, you know, this isn't brand new stuff, you know, uh, you know, all the major banks are toying with it. Like Fidelity, you know, the big wealth management giant in Boston has been running some crypto mining for five years. Central banks are all playing with crypto. So, you know, it's it's I just think if he's in MasterCard or Robin Hood is, um, you know, with it's federal
1: just, government starting to tax yeah. it right? Yes. Or, or continues to tax it. But they're really getting serious. That, I agree with you. That shows maturing.
2: Yeah, you're a good point on that. My IRS form this year, yours, too, yeah. was there's the first damn question was, did you sell cryptocurrency? You know, that's uh, <laughs> so Uncle Sam. you know, obviously sees it, thinks it's worth something because they want to get it. So they want to tax it.
1: Interesting. Okay. So back to the book then. What what inspired you, I think? What, what was your original question, Rachel?
0: Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, how, how do you come to a book like this and how long would it take to write a book like this? Because I think to your point making it relatable, you know, kind of breaking it down into mere mortal understanding. Um, I, in, in my mind, I can see, see this being like this labor of love for 10 years. Uh, but I would love to know kind of how, how did you get to it, um, you know, and, and kind of what was that journey like?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, you have to like your subject because it's a sort of a labor <laughs> of love. And fortunately, I wasn't writing the great American novel and trying to, you know, bare my soul or something like that. <laughs> Um, but, you know, uh, crypto and Bitcoin is a topic I like um, because someone approached me, do you want to write a book about this like venture capital fund? And I was like, that would be cool, but I don't want to spend a year of my life on these people, um, whereas crypto was cool enough. So I think that's the first tip I you want know, to write a book is, um, is like your subject enough that you want to live it for a year or more. Nice. Um, and then the other thing, it's just like other big tasks. You break it down into small ones like magazine articles are daunting, but... You solve that by having a really good outline. Likewise for a book, a book just you know, I think I was fortunate to have a background in mag- magazine journalism, which was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. So I just had a really good outline because if you go to write a long story and you don't know where you're going halfway, you're kind of aft. Um, right. and You know, likewise with the book. You know, it's rather than like, oh my god, I've got to write more words. I had a very thorough outline. So it's then just kind of finding the time and the patience and not procrastinating. So. But, um, yeah, no, thanks for asking. It's a really cool experience. I hope to do it again. I,
1: w- I would procrastinate to the end of time. And, and I wouldn't know where to stop. Like, I, w- I would constantly iterate on my own words. I've, I've never really contemplated heavily writing a book. But I couldn't figure out how to stop. I guarantee it.
2: Yeah, that's an issue. Because a lot of authors have learned to turn in, like, 2,000 pages. And the editors are like, try again. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to know. What's, I just tried to... Solve that by like, let's just put in all the juicy, interesting stuff because you know your reader right. is not come to this before, and you want to make it, especially for a technical topic like Bitcoin. You don't want to scare people away. So, and books are driven by people. The story of people. Reading about people is a lot more interesting than reading about technology. So, I base my book around the people who yeah. you know build Coinbase, um, which is the first mainstream Bitcoin company. Um, and so, and there's some very fascinating people. So that's what made the uh, made it kind of fun to write, and I hope fun to read.
0: And there's definitely an interesting cast of characters, you know, all through kind of the whole crypto, crypto journey and and the crypto exchanges and Bitcoin exchanges. I'm I'm really excited to see where it goes. Um, You know, I just thought it was interesting because I know Robinhood kind of um, has been in the news lately. I see they're going for an IPO, uh, which I thought was really interesting. What do you think about that? (laughs)
2: Well, I just think like, you know, the amount of people, it sounds like, you know, both your friends and coworkers are trading crypto. It's just a thing mm-hmm. for younger generations. It's they trade crypto the same way they trade stock. Um, and that's in a sense a good thing. In the past, buying shares was very intimidating. You know, I yes. didn't start getting into it until I was in my 30s cuz it just seemed so that's something a certain type
1: of people do. In the old days, you had to call your broker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, before that, I think you had to go in and you yeah. actually got paper stock certificates, right? Exactly. Right. And so now
2: I think with the advent of Robin kind of democratized it. I mean, robinhood has got its flaws and, you know, but it's still, I think, on balance. If it lets more people invest and save their money at a younger age, you know, that's that's going to help because, you know, in that, for me, I only started investing my money in my 30s. I wish I'd start doing it when I was you know 19 years old instead. I would be richer.
1: So. Yeah. <laughs> Well, unless exactly. you made poor investments, I guess you, yes. could argue, you could argue that you saved yourself and you're you're good yes. to go now because you're smarter and will make better investments.
2: Right, I didn't blow my college tuition on Dogecoin. Very good point.
0: <laughs> now, so here's my favorite part of the discussion today about about crypto and you know just the whole ransomware, you know, kind of trend of the moment, if you will. Right, it's it's kind of the hot thing and. You know, Chris Krebs has said, you know, uh, talked about the role cryptocurrency plays in enabling cyber criminals um, and and it should be examined. And, you know, we've talked a bit about that here, you know, on on the podcast as well. I think it was with Joe Uchel, Um, you know, this this Mm -hmm. idea of, you know, how do you de-incentivize, right, the ransomware piece? And when you have this anonymous currency opportunity, right, I mean, that that seems pretty appealing to ransomware attackers, you know, so then I you know, imagine trying to globally regulate, you know, Bitcoin or, you know, all of these other kind of mechanisms to try to make it a lot harder to utilize for these attacks. I mean, you know, so you're you're neck deep in this world. I mean, what 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 do you see as a way forward here, Jeff? I mean, this is a really tricky one.
2: Yeah, it is. And I'm sort of torn because the Bitcoin crowd, you know, says, Hey, you're just scapegoating us. You know, why are you picking on Bitcoin? Bitcoin has, you know, got a lot of other uses besides ransomware. But the truth is, it is kind of a killer app for <laughs> the <first> crypto is <laughs> ransomware. But you know, it's it's just it's a technology, and you can't go backwards in technology. Um, I remember, you know, your listeners are probably familiar with uh, Silk Road, the massive online yes. app, the marketplace, and going uh, way Bill. back. Yeah, yeah. And he's yes. got a, Nick belt has got a very good book on that. And how did this guy able to? with the Dread Pirate Roberts, how was he able to do that? And he pointed to three technologies. One was cheap mass cloud computing, another was Tor encryption technology, and the third was Bitcoin, which was the payment mechanism. But you know, likewise, you're not going to get rid of like cloud computing that facilitates good and bad stuff. Likewise, Tor encryption does too. Um, and same with Bitcoin. So in terms of stopping it, I mean, you know, I think part of the problem is people need to tight up, tighten up their... You know their their cyber operations. You know it's it's the problem isn't Bitcoin. The problem is people are lousy at locking down their servers. Um, so you know yeah, Bitcoin does facilitate it, but there's other technologies too, like Apple gift cards, Amazon gift cards. Mexican drug cartels love using those to move money around. You just load up a mule with a bunch of like Apple gift cards. I right? read
0: about that. Yes, yeah. and I thought that was bizarre, but. Genius at the same time. Yeah, How many gift cards would that be?
2: You know, the <laughs> proceeds of you know uh, you know even trafficking and cocaine smuggling and everything else. But are we going to go you know call Apple onto the carpet for putting these gift cards out? So you know it's it, it, it's a tough one because I do see it. Krebs is right that you know it's you know bitcoins facilitated this crime spree, but Bitcoin does a lot of other things. Then you could also you know blame the internet for these ransomware attacks. You could blame all sorts of things. And you know I do, I do think. You know, this wouldn't be happening in the first place if people did a better job of locking down their, you know, their their cyber
1: stuff. I I think what we see with cryptocurrency is it's it's so fast. It's so easy. It's digital, right? The government's way behind. So they, they don't have the mechanisms to audit and to inspect like you would a transaction going through the bank. But I mean, I mean, Rachel, we even see this with the taxes. I mean, how many billions of dollars does the IRS not catch every year? I, I forget the latest, right? Of, of U.S. dollars from just straight income when they're already getting the reports from the companies and, and theoretically right. from the individuals. So I, I think it's a speed and scale issue, but it's not something we haven't seen in the, in the, you know, the, the currency world that we lived in 5, 10, 50 years ago, right? It's just speed and scale, in my opinion. And probably understanding. Is that one for me or for Rachel Lark? I think it was just a general comment, <laughs> like like playing off of what you're saying, Jeff. Hey, it's here to stay. Get get up to speed. Get used to it, right? I mean, this yeah. is this is a currency. You may love it or or not. It doesn't matter. It's a currency that's in play these days, and the governments of the world haven't shut it down yet. So deal with it.
2: Yeah, but that's a good but the
1: adversary will use it because they can. Right.
2: But I, I mean, too, can governments shut it down? I I don't know if they can. I mean, right. I think really authoritarian China's really you know, done a lot to try to shut it. I was going to say,
1: China's trying to. I mean, the U.S. is really from an inspection and a, a, a regulatory perspective trying to get their arms around it to some extent from what I'm seeing. But I don't think they'll shut it down.
2: But also, I mean, it's a computer program. I mean, are you going to ban me from running the software program that primarily is you know is you know for very useful things and it's not just bitcoin i mean you know ethereum the second biggest cryptocurrency is enabling all these you know fantastic new applications um and it's you know it's just the same sort of moral panic as when the internet started where you know it's like oh my god look at all this crime that the internet's facilitating which was true you know internet gave rise to horrible you know child pornography and drug opportunities and stuff but overall the internet was the net benefit and america did something smart at the time which was ensure that the internet was built in silicon valley in the us of a um and because it reaped most the innovation that's come from that and that you know the wealth that's come from that um so likewise with crypto i think uh the uh, U.S. regulators and Justice Department needs to be careful. And I think they're they're torn because they want to stop the ransomware, but also they recognize if they give up forfeit in, innovation on this to Asia or to Switzerland or something, it could, uh, could harm the U.S. So it's a tough one.
1: Well, I, th- I think it's like any technology. It can be used for good or bad. I mean, go back to metals, right? I mean, you can make weapons with it or you can— Maybe make bracing structures for buildings or 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 do something. Any technology has has both good and bad uses, at least I, I think so. Absolutely. As I've observed over time. So so figure it out and 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 learn how to leverage it. But let's let's talk a little bit more about the role of cryptocurrency with things like ransomware or the black market and 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 the like. I mean, how how should we, Jeff, look at that? How should we look to better understand and control what's going on? Or is it just a ransomware problem and, and there's less to do on the, on the payment side? I, I believe the payment side is really important.
2: Oh, yeah, the payment side is huge. Um, I mean, I, I think you have to begin by understanding Bitcoin and blockchain technology, how it works, and not disregarding it as this kind of evil enabling, you know, that's enabled, you know, these terrible things and this ransomware to happen. Um, you know, so I think that's the first stop. It's just really, you know, the policymakers. So understand get, it. Yeah. It's just understand the technology itself. And then you can, if you want to respond against it, you look for this, for the choke points. Of course, these companies have risen up like chain analysis that are forensic accountants and specialize in tracking payments, you know, just like banks have done before them. So obviously they work hand in glove with law enforcement people. And, uh, I think it was the colonial pipeline attack. They, uh, were able to actually claw back some of the ransom. That was through the stupidity of the hackers. But, uh, because it didn't,
1: it... <laughs> we'll take that win. Yeah, we'll, we'll take that we'll win, We'll take Rachel. that,
0: yeah. <laughs> How were they able to claw it back, though? I mean, that that's what I always wondered. How were they able to get that back?
2: In the uh, well, because the thing with Bitcoin is very transparent. There's a ledger where right? you can see it move. And what they, what you know the sophisticated Russians do is they you know instantly transfer it to a wallet in Russia and then transfer it to another you know uh, offline wallet. But these bozos they were basically exfiltrating, exfiltrating all the data from the Colonial Pipeline and there's a lot of it. But baked into that was the uh, ransomware instructions they had sent to uh, to the executives at the Colonial Pipeline. This is at least how the um, guy named Dmitry mm-hmm. Future explained it to me, and I think his theory is correct. Um, and so within that, they accidentally baked in their blueprint, including the private key <laughs> of Bitcoin. And so basically, they U.S. law enforcement, they stood, they stood up this new ransomware unit you know, with the FBI and others, and they're frantically tracking it. They're like, oh, my God, there's a data that's passing through this American server on the way out of the country. They assess them. Like, oh, my God, these morons left their private key in there. And they went and basically the U.S. government robbed the, the hackers and took it wow. back.
1: I love so, that. Yeah. The, the, I love the that. The double robbery.
2: Yeah, it was a so still, really well-run operation. I, you know, I think next time they're going to be more careful. The hackers, um, and uh, as it explained to me, is uh, it was a franchise operation because that's the way these ransomware guys operate. There's the masterminds who are like, you know, hey, you can go rent my ransomware software for a fifteen percent cut, um, and then if you see the amount they recovered, it was eighty-five percent. The missing fifteen percent was because these sort of masterminds, the you know, the owner of the franchise their money out quickly because they weren't stupid. But the franchisee basically apparently, were apparently just busy partying because they couldn't believe this had worked and didn't move the money out of the U S quickly, quickly enough. So, uh, so law enforcement basically
1: robbed them. So. Wow. So just like with sovereign currency, there's a role for money laundering. Oh yeah. Definitely. yeah. My son loves that term money laundering. He's <laughs> like, they wash, they wash the money. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. kind of, kind of, he's 13, right? But But uh, there's a role here and and there's, there's a role. It sounds like there's a role for the government or some organizations to, to really look at these transactions and look at what's happening and understand the, just like you would with tax evasion or anything else. Absolutely. Not that different a world. No. So Jeff, if you were the administration, we'll talk from a U.S. Ooh, perspective here. If you were the administration, you know, how would you? What would you focus on? How would you look at this? How much of your time is on understanding the currencies that are in use for things like ransomware and the like, versus actually defending your networks? How would you think about that?
2: Uh, that's a really hard one. The other thing you're thinking about is you're worried about is this a threat to the U.S. dollar, and how are you going to you know you know prevent Bitcoin and private currencies from displacing the dollar? And you're also going to have to think about hey, how am I not going to blow up all this cool innovation that's being made possible by Bitcoin and blockchain right. and some very good American companies like Coinbase and others that are producing a lot of wealth? Um, so I mean, I think I'd probably convene a council of people like Krebs, but also uh, people like Coinbase and, um, you know, work on educating people. I mean, it's it's not going to stop until people start tightening up their systems more. Um, and, you know, yeah, ransomware makes it easier. I mean, Bitcoin makes ransomware easy, but, you know, even if you got rid of Bitcoin, I think these attacks would continue and the extortion would happen in a different form. So um, I wish I had an easy answer for you, but I think, you know, the first thing is just the cybersecurity practices across the country have to be 10 times better.
1: But what you're pretty consistent on is cyber currency currencies are here to stay adopt adapt get up yeah, times. A,
2: yeah i mean you, it's it's like the same panic we had over the internet you know people a lot of people hated yeah. the internet because they enabled new and horrible things um but they didn't recognize good things enabled and nor did they acknowledge that this wasn't going to go away um so you know I, I think same thing with with blockchain cryptocurrency this is it's not going away you're not going to like shut it down it's just like that the internet you know in the early days I guess if you took the most repressive measures possible, sure, you could start blowing up servers and arresting people and taking their computers, but it's it's you know, the technology of you know, the world wide web is just too profound that you're not gonna stuff it back in the bottle. And likewise with cryptocurrency and blockchain, it's just so far superior to conventional currency from a technology point of view that you better learn how to work with it rather than simply trying to declare you're gonna get rid of it.
1: So which country then would you say is the most advanced as it relates to cryptocurrency? And Tesla's not an acceptable answer.
2: (laughs) Great question. Um, Well, I mean, fortunately, you know, the U.S. and Silicon Valley is still working its magic. So a lot of the best companies are right here. Um, uh, Asia, you know, I think actually the U.S., you know, China and uh, South Korea have been very innovative in that front as well. Switzerland's doing some neat things. Um, yeah, so those are the names that come to the top. I yeah, I think yeah, South Korea, Switzerland, China, the U.S. Um, in terms of ransomware, using it to attack people, Russia. <laughs> right. uh, and North Korea actually is very successful. North Korea, I
1: mean, I, I don't know the scale, but they're excellent at it because their currency is worthless, right?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the North Korea, you know, as your listeners, you know, probably well know the way the North Korea army works is like, you're in this like shitty backwater country and you need to pay your army. And part of it is using mercenaries, like go hack the bad guys right. in America and you can keep as much as you like. So that's what you're facing the sort of private partner, private, public partnerships between corrupt, you know, authoritarian governments who are deploying hackers like mercenaries, you get a you know, share the, of the profits, but North Korea, it's, you know, that's the only way you're going to eat. So they've become very good at it.
1: Yeah. Something about hunger, driving, (laughs) motivating and driving behavior is a good one. So I I was just in, um, Rachel, I'm just going to keep going until you cut me off, but I I was just in Turks and Caicos, British colony. I think it's an independent country now uses the U S dollar. Do you see at some point some some of these smaller countries that don't have their own currency or do Ooh. adopting cryptocurrency as as their national currency?
2: Um, well, I mean, it's happening right now. El Salvador has just made declared that Bitcoin's legal tender there, okay. um, and you know the crypto people love that, but. You know, I'm wary of doing it. And I remember Facebook was going to introduce a cryptocurrency. A lot of people were worried. Oh, that's
0: right. Yes.
2: But that would go in and like, you know, there's a worry that in places like, you know, Uganda, more people would use their currency instead of the national one, which could have kind of profound destabilizing effects.
1: Right. Well, I'm talking about doing away, just just totally doing away with a national currency and creating... Like
0: a universal you know, we'll, currency. Yeah, yeah,
1: we'll use Ethereum. We've yeah. been talking a lot about Bitcoin, so oh, I'll switch like it up. Litecoin I mean, is the currency of Turks and Caicos.
2: All right. Do not do that, Turks and Caicos. Do not make <laughs> Litecoin your well, I think some of the dollar-backed ones, I mean, there's something called stable coins, which is yeah. basically synthetic. It's, you know, it's like a piece of Bitcoin, except it's pegged to the US dollar and it moves around as easily. Um, I think that would be a great you know, use case for, uh, for people. And then also you look what China is doing with their national currency. That's partly to survey their own citizens, but they want to do, too, is with their Belt and Road Initiative, China goes into um, developing countries and you know, says, hey, we're going to build you this port or whatever. Um, and then they're you know, basically to exert control over them. But they also uh, are encouraging them to use the you know, digital yuan as payment because it's a lot easier to move money around. Right. And that's part of the larger game to dislodge the U.S. dollar as the kind of world we started to talk about at the outset of the conversation of money as a means of exchange. Um, and the whole world agrees U.S. dollar is a great means of exchange. Right. China hates that. So they are trying to um, dislodge it in part by deploying their own version of cryptocurrency. So
1: yeah, Well, also, stable and dependable, right?
2: Yeah. Right. Totally. I don't know about the Chinese one, but... It's no, I'm saying, doll, I'm saying the
1: U.S. dollar. I'm saying the U.S. dollar for the world to use it. It's it's relatively stable and dependable.
2: Absolutely. And there's more U.S. dollars overseas than there is in America. Yeah. And oh, that's a wow. huge advantage to the U.S. because, you know, we can borrow money cheaply here. It's, you know, stabilizing its influence. But uh, you know, China's doing its best to undermine that. One of the tools they're using is cryptocurrency.
0: Will we get to a place, you know, as we? Because I love this whole idea of digital currency. I mean, I would love to have like an implant or something, like in my in my wrist, where I just scan it everywhere I go, and I'm in and out. I don't have to handle dirty money. Um, But then you hear about these people losing, you know, their external hard drive with all the Bitcoin on it, and the guy's digging through the trash, and he's got tens of millions of dollars on this external hard drive. I mean, are we ever going to get to a place where? Maybe it's a little, little less scary if um, that hard drive goes missing.
2: Well, I mean, part of it is that it's the same guy. Someone pointed out the every year he turns up every year in the British tabloids, and like <laughs> this guy lost. There's a you know, and he's there's a landfill, and there's a hard drive, and a laptop, and he's gonna have like you know, and, and they keep running the same damn story, and you start wondering what's this guy's deal. <laughs> 15 minutes of fame, you know, yeah, there's stories like that, but there's fewer than that. I mean, that's from the Bitcoin's early days. And as the technology gets a lot more friendly, how to use it. I mean, if you're, you know, comfortable with this stuff, yeah, put it on a hard drive, but don't throw it in the, don't throw your laptop in the dumpster. And if you're not that comfortable with it, just use an exchange like, you know, uh, Coinbase or Robinhood or something and keep it there. That's... you know it's the same way as like you know people bury money in the backyard and then forget where it went so you know you know and I, I have some sympathy but after so many years pass i mean if you're gonna keep doing this or keep putting yourself on tv as a victim i, I don't right. know kind of,
1: i gotta tell kind you rachel spot. i worry I, I i've got a I've, I've got a little hard hard token in a safe with with nothing much a couple couple thousand dollars worth of uh I don't even know what it is at this point to be honest with you. That's anyway, it's 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 a cyber it's 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 an altcoin. Um uh, and I've got a printout with the with the key next to it.
0: Don't lose that. Yeah. Now my family we we uh, hide money in the walls. So when my <laughs> grandmother died, they kept knocking down walls and they found more and more money. She'd never turn on the air conditioner, but by golly, she had a lot of money on those walls. So
2: <laughs> well, that's why she had money. You know, all that savings on air conditioning. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I do look forward to that day. I mean there there's so many aspects of modernization that I'm so excited about, but I think like everyone you get nervous about, you know, what if what if my digital currency's hacked and then it's wiped out and then I have no money, right? Cuz all my money lives in this weird digital world that I may or may not have control over. But
1: Or who do you go to if it gets hacked? Right. Like like if money gets taken out of my bank, and, and my my identification has been stolen and, and the bank gives it to them. I feel, maybe I don't, but I, I at least feel like I have some kind of recourse and the in the legal system is structured to deal with that because we've been dealing with that for hundreds of years. Somebody takes my Dogecoin. Where do I go?
2: Um, Coinbase? Yeah. Hey, Coinbase, not-
1: we got a problem here. I'm not sure that works.
2: It doesn't, um, and it's still a problem at Coinbase. And then people rob Coinbase accounts not infrequently, but the way they do it is certainly through spear phishing in the same way right. like other sites. Right. happens. Hack into your Gmail, then I'm going to go to Coinbase and I'm going to rob your account. And then you know Coinbase is like, well, that's a shame, but sorry. Um, Whereas, yeah, you know, these things aren't FDIC insured. You know, the way the U.S. is set up is there's been enough, you know, bank runs and, you know, banks collapsing. The state had evolved such that, you know, you have a quarter million of dollars for your savings is federally insured. So if your bank gets robbed or goes under, you're okay. But I think the longer Coinbase and companies like it are around, they've got their reputation too. So if they actually got hacked or robbed, um, and then, you know, maybe eventually they'll put in, you know, backstops for customers who are, uh, careless or unlucky enough to get spearfished and robbed. I mean, or, you know, or some but-
1: FDIC-like protections mm-hmm. through the uh, through the legislative process or the legal process. Eventually, yeah, exactly. it's a maturity yeah. issue, right, right, Jeff? I mean, we're we're just so early on. It's it's great for the adversary who's who's hammering Colonial Pipeline. Right. Not so great for you know Rachel in her grandmother's house with money in the wall. She might might as well just leave it there. In some ways.
2: Yeah, but you're, you're exactly right. I mean, it is evolving quickly. And, you know, as Coinbase gets more, they're putting sort of guarantees that they won't get hacked. And then the uh, you know, custody and storage and insurance products are evolving quickly to mitigate against sort of systemic risk. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think in 10 years from now, you can see like the FDIC version of crypto accounts.
1: Right. Rachel, I mean, it really is the evolution of money in the mattress or the walls. Right. Right. You put it in the bank. If, if, if you had spoken to my grandparents while they were alive... You know, they were very wary of banks. They were farmers back during right. the depression, mm-hmm. and the only reason they were okay was they kept making money, mm-hmm. right? Because they made food, right? Right. They did not trust the banks, it's- right? So we we've, we've put those protections, and then people believe their money's in the bank. They believe it's still there. I, I'm I'm guaranteeing the little I understand about money and the money supply. The majority of people still think when they put ten dollars in the bank, their ten dollars are sitting there for them when they when they want it back, right? They don't understand that the bank is actually loaning that money out, and it's it's you right. know going all around the world. And when they come and ask for ten dollars, it's not their ten dollars anymore, unless right. it's in a safety deposit box, of course, right? So I I, th- I think there's a there's a maturity here, mm-hmm. but I do see the adversaries, you know, cybersecurity bad actors they've just, they've they've learned the system. They understand the technology better. They're able to leverage it very efficiently because they have motive. That would be my guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know your book just came out, Jeff, but I I have to ask, like, so what's book number two? Are are you already thinking about what's next? (laughs) Where
1: did my cryptocurrency go? (laughs) Uh, No, I've got a,
2: yeah, I have a, a toddler, and a new job. So I uh, I'm admit I'm holding off on that. But uh, to be honest, uh, now I've been lucky. My publisher said, hey, where's the next one? I might do something on Currency Wars and just see uh, mm. you know the battle for between countries for what the next king currency is going to be. It's oh, US dollar exciting. right now. Oh, so
0: that later. sounds very cool.
1: Yeah, Speaking and, uh, of. That- you know, Go ahead.
2: And the, the guys at the IRS and stuff, and I know some of them, they're incredibly sophisticated tracking the stuff and trying to kind of fight it off and protect the dollar and a lot of cool stories there.
1: So where do you think things are going? I mean, five, ten years down the road, still a huge tool of, of, you know, bad actors, of the, you know, criminal organizations? Or is this the underpinning technology behind societies?
2: Wow. (laughs) The, The big question um, I, I think it's, it's cryptocurrency is here to stay It's going to, and also the pandemic has accelerated it, as both you noted that people don't like to touch cash so the you know, evolution that was supposed to take like 10 years occurred in one or two uh, so that's the future we're going to be living in in terms of the ransomware epidemic you know, I think that's just going to go hand in hand with until the country can tighten up its, its cyber infrastructure it's going to keep getting hit I wish I had an easier more encouraging answer but the two things are going to keep happening Crypto is going to keep growing and the ransomware problem is going to remain until they tighten up, you know, the underlying cyber defenses. um, You know, trying to kill Bitcoin is not going to fix the ransomware problem. Right.
0: Wow. I'm excited. I, I feel like I have I need to go back to school, though, and learn how to how to use this cryptocurrency thing and start getting ahead of the curve.
1: There's definitely there appears to be at least a generational gap here right? The younger you you are, the more trusting. No, 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 no. I think, I think you're younger than me, but, but the, the younger you are, the more trusting you are, the more willing to understand and adopt.
0: Right. That's true.
1: Right. And and I I wonder what that, what role that has on society, um, you know, is, is, I mean, we're, we're, if you, if you got Bitcoin or Ethereum or Litecoin or pick any of your currency, if if you got it low back in the day, I mean, you could be a, a multimillionaire today just by any, just by putting some money in and time value of money or appreciation of, of the sure. currency. Right. I, I I do wonder how that impacts society and how things change.
0: Yeah. All right, Jeff, I mean you said you have a toddler. Are you saving for college and in, in Bitcoin? Or are you starting that account yet? Or
1: no, but
2: I do, you know, I think the conventional wisdom is, you know, diversify your assets right. for investing. And uh, you know, I put about five percent of, you know, my money into cryptocurrency. Um just because, you know, it's in the same way people put 5% into like, you know, emerging market funds and stuff. It's volatile, but there's a potential for big upside. And I believe in underlying technology. So, um, you know, going out and putting your children's college tuition to Dogecoin is, is bordering on negligence, but you know, your mileage may vary. So.
1: Is it worse than leaving cash in your walls when you go on the show and publicly announce it? Rachel, I might pull the cash out of the walls of grandma's house. And uh, put it into some type of investment. I'm not I'm not saying altcoins, but you Just know, Just bury it in the backyard.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just move it now.
0: <laughs> so so my favorite question, Eric knows, I always love to ask this at the end. I mean, now that you've been you've been around the block, Jeff, in, in, in the best way possible, um, do you have optimism though? I mean, are people going to shore up their servers? Are people going to you know, just be better about hygiene in general. Right. And, and, and try to get ahead of the cyber threat. Or are we just going to continue to languish here? And, you know, I was telling Eric on Friday, I just watched, you know, Blade Runner 2049. And, you know, this this inflection point of a dystopian future ahead, you know, where we're all wearing really cool clothes, but it's dark and dreary. You know, I mean, it's w- what do you think in the next 20 years is are, are we going to get this thing?
2: I mean, I don't think you're ever going to win. You know, it's sort of such a kind of cat and mouse thing, but I don't know. I just, I am optimistic in that the number of people running like old unpatched Windows servers, they've got to dot off at some point. So <laughs> 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 you
1: would, you would think, <laughs> I don't know. My kid runs around without shoes on and steps on bees and stubs his toe and he <laughs> still runs around without shoes on. Maybe he'll yeah,
2: learn. I bet to patch his software though. So. <laughs>
1: That's
0: funny. Well, what was it like? Some of the folks, um, like averted disaster, right on Solar Winds because their their patching was so far behind. Uh, and if they hadn't done it, they were able to kind of escape, you know, being, being impacted, which is, is the other thing, right? I mean, do we just go back to the, to the era of the stone age? You know, I was no, doing my. No, that's a
1: bad excuse.
0: I was doing my 23 and me kind of, uh, ancestry through with my mom this week. And apparently I'm like 2% Neanderthal or something like that, you know, and do we just need to get back to the old ways and just go offline and, uh, and, and see I, how that I, could I, go again.
1: I protected this organization because I did not do my job by patching my servers. No, that's not a good answer.
0: (laughs) Ah, Eric, always the realist, always the realist. Um,
1: I I agree with Jeff. Do the basics, (laughs) patch your systems. That is official guidance from the Force Point uh, to the Point podcast.
0: All right. Well, with that, I think, thank you, Jeff. This has been such a fun conversation. It's, you know, I I would love to revisit it in six months because I think between, you know, there's going to be so much more happening um, coming to bear, especially when you're looking at, you know, what was the news today, right? You know, with uh, the U.S. and NATO and the EU all kind of coming together. And I think it was like Australia, New Zealand, and, you know, there was one other country.
1: Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the U.S., and the United Kingdom.
0: Yes. And, you know, and, and everyone's starting to come together, which, is, which is really interesting. Right. And, you know, we talk about cyber U.N., but, you know, all the implications of that. Um, but I think when we look at cryptocurrency in particular, you know, as it's starting to get more regulatory scrutiny and, you know, kind of uh, nations coming together or governing bodies coming together. I think it's going to be really, really, really interesting the next six months, year, for sure. Uh, I agree. Well, thanks,
2: everyone. It's been a really fun uh, conversation.
0: All right. Well, thanks for joining us. And uh, until next time, everybody, be sure to subscribe. uh, Get a fresh episode every week. um, And, you know, thanks for joining us as always. And
1: read read the book.
0: Yes. Read the book. Kings of Crypto. It's on Amazon.com. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the To
1: The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit
0: www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget
1: to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts.